0: Welcome to FHOP Church, Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Well, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. This is our third third week going through this series on faith everyone say faith say faith like you mean it faith yeah there we go faith I'm pretty excited because today we're actually going to be venturing in to Noah but let's start back at verse 1 we're not going to read through everything we're gonna start with verse 1 and then we're gonna skip down to verse 7 because the two you'll see they go together and it says this in Hebrews 11, verse one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. And we broke that down in the first um, week. And in fact, some other translations like the New King James might actually have a better translation of that. But it says it is the assurance. It is the foundation it is the substance of things hope for it is the evidence the proof of things not seen and then down in verse seven we see this by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith gonna say faith. How many you know the story of Noah? You guys know the story of Noah? We well, used to sing a lot of songs when I was a kid about Noah. Who built the ark? Noah, Noah. Uh, I'm sorry. After last week, I swore I wouldn't sing anymore. Um, I told my wife, I sang that little section of that song, and just the look at all y'all's faces. I, I was like halfway through, I was like, that was a mistake. I should have just stopped right then. Um but uh, a lot of us know the story of the ark uh, at least we think we do let me let me give you like a little bit of a of a cliff notes version of of the ark so you have this man named Noah and he was faithful to God and God said no what I want you to do is I want you to build an ark and I want you to do it like this and he gave him plans and and he said it's gonna it's gonna rain it's gonna flood and and noah had never seen rain before and so he starts building ark and people made fun of him and and he just built it himself him and his sons they just built this ark and uh took him about a hundred years but then the lord actually did send the flood but not before lord sent all of the animals two by two onto the ark and he closed the door and the floods came and the rains came down and the floods came up that was a different song actually Uh, that's new testament and uh and it, it destroyed all the wickedness that was on the earth. And then Noah sent out some birds. And one of them finally came back with a branch. And he was like, yay, there's land now. And then he sent out another bird. And it never came back. So he was like, man, there must must be good times ahead. And then the boat landed finally. And he let out all the, the animals. And then God put a rainbow in the sky and said, I'll never flood the world again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then then he got drunk. Um, You didn't know that part, did you? How many didn't know that he got drunk part? Yeah, they forget that in your little children's Bible story. And then Noah planted himself a vineyard. And he made some wine. And he got drunk. And then some sketchy things happened. That's what it says. Some bad stuff happened after that. Um, Well, what have I told you? Part of what I just told you, that little Sunday school narrative, isn't actually in the bible and that's that's part of this morning i was like as i was starting to research all these events uh, of the story of noah i was like well where's this part at because i've heard this story since i was like little where's this part at and i start reaching i was like well maybe it's in another part of the bible so i start looking at all there's parts of what i just told you i can't find anywhere in the bible it's it's not in there and you're like now you're like well which parts well you all shook your head you were like yeah that's that's the way it happened but i'm afraid sometimes what we do is we just take people's word for what the bible says rather than researching it ourselves and i want to take a moment here before i really dive into this part on faith to really say that we should never just take anyone's word for what the Bible says. We have to read it ourselves. And if the only time you ever get word is when I or someone else gets up here on Sunday and gives you something, then, then that's not enough. You have to be digging in. I would say every day. That's, Jesus is our example, right? And his custom was every day to go to the Father. And, and when they couldn't find Jesus when he was a little boy, he was in his father's house. And he wasn't just learning, he had he'd learned so much at that point, he was teaching, right? And then what Paul said at this point, some of y'all, you should be teachers, but, but here's just a little milk, you know, he, that's all you can really handle right now. But but what, what amazes me is, is even if I get up here and preach something, I don't want you just to accept it. I, I would love for you to go home, and, and this is, I mean, it's rare that this ever happens to me, that someone calls me this week and said hey you said this during your sermon i'm just not sure that's right because i read this and i don't listen i don't really want you to call me and give me your opinion so much i want you to call me and give me scripture right i want to see that you're digging in to the Word, not so that listen not so that we can have a theological debate even though you know i i can enjoy a good theological debate I I like to argue. It's fun. Um, I finally argue less with my wife than I used to. True story. Um, But I I like a good debate. But no, not, not just so we can have a debate, but so that we can like together, iron sharpens iron, so we can both get closer to Christ together. That's my heart. That's my heart. And so I'm reading through this whole story of, of Noah and all these things that I thought happened, and I can't find certain things. So I'm like, why can't I find these certain things? So I start researching other places, and come to find out, as I read these different theologians, they're like, yeah, everyone says that stuff. It's in all our songs, it's in all our Sunday school literature, but it's nowhere in the Scripture. And now you're wondering which parts. Well, let me read you a few things here. Um, now we're gonna read the account of Noah but I'm gonna skip through some parts you can go back and read the whole thing like maybe it's in the parts that he skipped trust me I've read the story of Noah probably about eight times this week and several times before this week in preparation for this sermon and I was I don't know how many times I was at the dinner table or breakfast even and be like can you believe that this part's not even in the Bible my wife's like really like yeah it's not there um but let's let's take a look at uh, genesis chapter 6 if you want to go there we will be skipping around a bit but let's just take a look at what noah was actually all about in genesis chapter 6 we're gonna start with just verses 12 through 4 I'm going to read through these kind of quickly just so we can get an idea of the story it says and God saw the earth and I just want to pause there because previously when the Lord had made the earth he saw the earth and every time he saw the earth what did he say about it he said it's good so now he's looking down he's seeing the earth and behold it was corrupt so it's not good for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth and God said to Noah I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make it out of rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. Now let's skip down to 17. It says, For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, which is... uh, Excuse me, in which the breath of all life under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Verse or chapter seven. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark. You and your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And I would highlight that. I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Verse 4. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. And every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Verse 12. And rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day Noah and his sons Shem and him and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kind and of every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and according to its kind and every bird according to its kind and winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God commanded him. Say, as God commanded him. Say, as God commanded him. That's right. And the Lord shut him in. The Lord continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. And then in verse 21 it says, "All flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures and that swarm on the earth, and all mankind, everything on the dry land and and whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out the ground, man and animals and creeping things and the birds of heaven. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left." And only those who are with him in the ark. Chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed and the rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the water had abated. And then in, uh, for the sake of time, in verses 10 through 12, we see him sending out the birds to find out if there's any land. And in 16, it says, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons, your sons' wives, bring out every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. I know this is a lot to read today, but it's a really long story. That's why I've condensed it. Last thing, chapter 9, verse 11. I establish my covenant with you. This is God talking. That never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth okay there was a lot there there's a lot and we're going to unpack it but the parts that i never saw in that passage was that first of all that noah had never seen rain before it it never says that anywhere like well noah had such great faith because god said it was going to rain and he had never seen rain before When you read the story, it never says that. Noah's great faith wasn't because God said it's good to rain and you'd never seen rain before. It also doesn't say anyone ever made fun of him. Because we all have these pictures of Noah up there building an ark. All these guys going, hey, Noah, what are you building there? A boat on dry land? It's, It's not in the story. It's not there. Also, we think that Noah just built it by himself, but... He might have hired crews. Why would a crew help him build an ark? I don't know. They hired a crew to help build a new high school in Berryville. I don't, just for money, for stuff. I don't know. And and then we always say it took 100 years, but there's actually nothing specifically saying how long it took, although it probably took him decades to build. All these things are just not in there. Now, there's reasons why we think those things are true. It's other places in scripture think well it could kind of flavor it this way i mean the world was corrupt so it's not beyond our imagination to think that if the world was corrupt and and noah almost said jonah and noah is saying hey it's going to flood the entire earth it's not impossible to think that people are probably making fun of him for being crazy it's not impossible to think that but it's not in this biblical account not in hebrews or in genesis yet in hebrews with all these things not being there it says that he was a man of great faith what does it say it says in verse 7 of hebrews chapter 11 it says noah being warned by god concerning events as yet unseen so here here's here's noah events yet unseen no one had ever seen the earth flood like this before Maybe he was also talking about rain. I don't know. Maybe he had never seen rain before. I don't know. It doesn't say. But he had never seen the earth flood before. In fact, for him to say, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be obedient even though I don't know what's going on ahead of time. This is why we look back at verse 1 that says faith is the substance of things hoped for, is the evidence of things not seen. Noah is the world going to flood yes and i'm going to show you through my faith my faith is not just something that's here or here everyone look for just a second faith is not just something that's here or here faith is an action right In james it tells us that faith without works is dead faith without works is is dead and the example he gives is saying someone comes to you and say hey you know what we're in need and you say oh you're in need all right well i'll just i'll just pray for your brother sister and you're you know good luck and that's it you don't do anything that's not faith maybe you're the answer to that prayer that you're going to pray for them I just need a little help today. Oh, well, I'll pray for someone to help you. Maybe you're the answer to the flight. There's action. Listen, what Scripture teaches us is if you really have faith, there's action. What if God said to Noah, he's like, look, I'm going to flood the earth, and I need you to build an ark. And Noah's just like, you know, I just believe the Lord's going to flood the earth. and I believe with all my heart that an ark is a solution to save me and my family. And he had never picked up a hammer. What I'm preaching to this morning is sometimes when God speaks to you, you actually have to pick up the hammer. You actually have to move into motion. And and, um, the story my my dad tells of a lady who said there was a prophecy over her that she was going to be a a chef, right? A chef. And uh, she said, I just don't believe in prophecy because... Because someone gave me a prophecy once that said I was going to be a chef and it never happened. And my dad asked her a simple question. Did you take, ever take any cooking classes? No. Well, then of course, you, did, you didn't have faith in the word. When God gives you a word, whether through prophecy or whether you're reading it in here, when God gives you a word... If there's no action associated with the word that he's given you, you don't have faith in that word. So it's not God's fault. It wouldn't have been God's fault if Noah died in the flood. That's not on God. He gave him the word. He said, the flood's coming, build an ark. And the scripture just simply says, and Noah did as he was commanded. That's all it says. He just did as he was commanded. He built an ark. It was all on Noah to respond to the word of the Lord. And the question I have for us this morning as, as men and women of God individually, as your family, as this church family, what words have the Lord spoken to you that you need to act on, to be obedient, to pick up a hammer and start doing? Because if we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait, we're just going to be waiting indefinitely. One thing the Lord spoke to me on years ago was this issue of discipleship. And I was disobedient for years. I waited and I waited and I waited. And I realized one day, I'm just going to have to schedule a meeting. I'm just going to invite some people to follow me into discipleship. And what we see is when we are obedient to the Lord, then he blesses us and he honors us and he saves Noah. Noah's obedience took the things that were unseen and made them reality. Right. It's that substance of things hoped for, like we see in Hebrews 11, one. Noah's referenced by Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, and you don't have to go there for the sake of time. But in Matthew chapter four um, or 24, you know what, though, let's go there. I'm just going to take all the time I want. Let's go there for the sake of being accurate in the word. Because we love the word. All right. This is what it says. If you look in 24... And Jimmy actually referenced this earlier. Um, chapter 30 or verse 36. It says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away so will be the coming of the son of man and then if we skip down he the kind of conclusion of this we see um in verse 45 it says who then is the faithful and wise servant and that's what i want to be i'm going to be faithful and a wise servant right whom the master has set over his household to give him food at the proper time. It says, blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this just took a really severe turn. And these are the kind of passages in Scripture that we don't often put on a flowery background and post to our instagram and facebook but it's the word and what it's saying is when the son of man returns it's going to be just like in the day of noah they were just going about life they were just going but but there was wickedness on the earth how many know there's wickedness on the earth today and people are just going about life and what what scripture here is warning us is we could be caught up in such a way that we could just be going about life and think, you know what? You know, people have been saying Jesus is coming back for a long time. In fact, I don't know if he's actually going to come back. I wonder if this whole thing's even real. And we just get caught up. Doing what the world does and acting like the world acts. And I don't know if we're going to be beating each other. But we get caught up. We get so caught up in the things of the earth that the scripture is warning us that the master will return. And those who he finds faithful, he's going to reward and say, You, you did a great job. You were faithful to the things I called you to. But to those he finds wasting time and living, unrighteously there's there's a severe penalty and i think for for us as men and women of god we have to look at the people around us and stop thinking like well you know they believe what they believe and i believe what i believe and then just you know let's just let sleeping dogs lie can i tell you something it's time to kick a few dogs it's time to wake some people up because if we truly believe this book we truly believe it, there is a day coming when the Lord returns. And the penalty for not knowing him, for not surrendering your life to him, it's, it's nothing like. These aren't my words. If I, were, if I were the guy making the Bible, I would just be like, it's going to be fine. Everyone has a little bit of good in them. There's grace. Don't worry about it. I'm sorry, I didn't write it. This is the reality we live in. As men and women of God, that we need to not just live a good example to people around us, but begin to discuss with them and tell them the truth of the gospel. Because guess what? There's good news. There's hope in the message of Jesus Christ. But for those who reject it, there is condemnation as we'll see here. What 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 I look at in in Noah's life what I see is this outrageous obedience to what God has called him to even though he had never seen it and it reminds me of John you can write these down I love this cuz it's John 14:15 and then it's John 15:14 both those right there. And this is what it says in John 14:15 Jesus talking John writes it down, something Jesus said. He says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Basically just saying, if if you love Jesus, you're going to do what he says. That seems weird to us. Can you imagine me saying to all you guys, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. But isn't there some truth to that, though? Like the people that we love in our life, we say, hey, what what can I do for you? What do you need? Tell me something to do. I want to serve you. And that's not what the world says is love, especially nowadays. as you look around the world today, we think love is just letting you do what you want to do. You just kind of, you do you, and that means I love you. But man, I don't think that's love at all. In fact, I know when people love me because they're like, like, Hey, Drew, you've got this thing coming up. How can we help? Uh, Dusty, he loves me a lot. He takes days, He takes vacation days to help me with stuff. And he says, whatever you need, man, you just let me know. The guy loves me. He also gave me this book, which I should say, uh, A Flood of Evidence. It's just like a science take on the flood by uh, Ken Ham. He made the big art museum. Really good book. I've read a little bit of it; um, haven't got through the whole thing, uh, but uh, really good stuff. But today, as much as I love science and all that stuff, my sermon today wasn't on did the flood really scientifically happen. There's a lot of evidence for it. Today, my heart is: Are we being obedient to Christ? In John 15:14, this is what he says: "You are my friend." It says, "You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends." If you do what I command you, again, in the natural, we think, you have some weird friends. If I say, well, you're my friend if you do what I command you. Yet, if we really think about the closest friendships we have with people, when they ask us to do things, we say yes, because we love them, because they're our friend. And once again, this is opposite of the way the world thinks world things, I don't want anyone telling me what to do if they tell me what to do is because they don't love me they want to control me and there, there can be abuse of control don't get me wrong there are those people who just it's my way or the highway and but this is a different heart this is a, a different attitude this is an attitude of love like I know Jesus loves me so much he will serve me so much that anything he asks of me I'm going to obey I'm going to do then John writes one more time well, several more times, but if you write down Second John 1, 6, this is what it says. In verse 6, it says, and this is love. What is love? This, that we walk according to Jesus' commandment, his commandment. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And this commandment is, is this. This is what love is. To walk in the commandments of Christ. To do what he says. What I think is interesting. If we look back at that Hebrews chapter 11. 7 verse. What it says that. He was warned concerning things yet unseen. It says in reverent fear. He constructed an ark. In reverent fear. And we've heard different sermons probably about the fear of the Lord, and, and there is this sense of where we actually like we have this reverence and awe for the Lord, and that's really what this is, but this is actually a different word in the Greek. It, it literally means more to be devoted. It, it, actually, it literally means to take hold of what is good. It like If this is good, it's like to take hold of it, to get your hands on it, to get your hands on what is good. That's what it literally means. Figuratively, it means to be devoted, right? Because if you get your hands on it, you're devoted to it. And it contrasts that to things unseen. Like, it was unseen, but he was devoted to it. He was going to get his hands on it out of reverent fear for God. He was devoted to God. He just wanted to get his hands on God. Have you ever been to that place in your spiritual walk where you just like, I just have to get my hands on God? and this goes back to last week's message last week's message what told us that well let's just read it verse 6 and without faith is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to god must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him like i just got to see him i just got to get my eyes on him i just got to get my hands on him and i think There's been different seasons of our lives where we live that way and we walk that way like I have to see the Lord, I have to get my hands on Him, but then we go through seasons where we just kind of back off for some reason. And my heart for us this morning, Forerunner, is that we would be a people that are continually pursuing after the Lord even when we don't feel like it, because sometimes your feelings just don't match what's going on in your life. Eddie was saying, we got up at 3 a.m. yesterday morning. How many have ever been tired and you just don't feel like pursuing God? I, I, I'm i going to be a, a little bit transparent yesterday. Um, so our cross country team has a lot of really young athletes this year. A lot of newbies. It's like herding cats, guys. The, these meets, there's there's people everywhere, there's crowds. It's just chaos if you go to one. They're just things are happening and I'm texting people and calling people and trying to get get like just all right and it went pretty smooth right we get in the bus and we drive and I have this thing where I try to get my kids on the bus as fast as we can so we can be the first ones to McDonald's because we're going from Elkins to Huntsville McDonald's because it's on the way you know who else it's on the way for green forest and for years years because I've been doing this about a decade now for years we beat every other bus to that McDonald's every time because I have it down to a science guys pack it up get in run get your trophy let's get on the bus like like my girls they got their trophy I snapped a pick I was like go and they ran to the bus I put it in drive and we went and yesterday we got to that McDonald's and Green Force is already there. And I just got mad. How did they do that? And they got a new coach this year. I was like, how did they do that? Um, they did pretty good actually. But anyway. I was like, what in the world? I was upset. And then the then, you know, you're in this crowded restaurant with all these little guys that are asking you 101 questions, and I was tired, and I was hot, and I was sweaty, and my socks were wet. My legs itched, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. So, yeah, poor me. So I got my little McDonald's, and I found a table over in the corner by myself, and I sat down, and I was like, it'd be good for my team if I ate by myself right now you know what I'm talking about so I sat down there cranky me even my wife had asked me a couple of questions and I was just kind of like I just walked away and as I sat there alone at that table this beautiful woman walks over to my table left the one she was at pulled out a chair and sat down right next to me And ate lunch with cranky me. Let me tell you in that moment. I was not a pleasurable person to be around at all. And yet she chose. To spend time with me. She chose relationship with me. When I was not in a good place. I think. Where our hearts need to be was even if. Can I tell you, we don't feel like being around Jesus sometimes, but Jesus is never the cranky person trying to be by himself. We are. Jesus is saying, hey, I want to spend that time with you. I I get it, you're cranky. I get it, you're having a bad day. I get it, you don't even feel like being around me right now. But I want to be next to you. I want to be with you. And if we can realize that, what can happen to us, we realize I need to lay hold. I need to get my hands on Jesus today. And those moments when we realize we are being cranky, we are trying to withdraw, that's what we need to say, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is how I feel, but I don't need to act like I feel. And we all know relationship isn't about feeling. Some days I wake up and I don't feel this. Over, I mean, even as amazing as my wife is, I don't wake up going, oh, my goodness, she's wonderful. To my wife. And yet I still choose to have a relationship. I still choose to pursue, even though my heart might not be overflowing with all the emotions on that day when I first met her. Ironically enough, I was playing the bass and she was out in the crowd worshiping. Just like I don't think I've played bass in probably five or six years. That was kind of a, a neat moment there today. I looked out and saw you worshiping and I was like, wow. Getting our hands on God. Eleven seven. Enough about me and McDonald's and my wife. Let's get to the Word. It says, in reverent fear, in, out of devotion, out of his desire to get his hands on God, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And then it says this, by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith and I think what's crazy is sometimes whenever we see that word condemned in the bible especially as Christians we're like whoa we're not supposed to condemn people and and I would offer to you guys you condemn people every day not me oh yeah you do You condemn people every day. And can I say, it's okay. What? We're not supposed to be condemning people. Well, you're right, in a sense. We shouldn't be like, listen here, you stinking idiot. Not that kind of condemn. What am I talking about? There's a few places in Scripture where we see that condemnation is happening. And what this word condemnation means, it means to pass judgment on. To pronounce as guilty. That's what this means. By Noah building the ark, he agreed with God's word. God, your word is that the world is evil, and so I will obey your word and build this ark because you're going to pass judgment on them. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning we say we agree that God will pass judgment on those who don't know him. We see things like. In Matthew 12, 41, where it says that the Jesus talks to the men of Nineveh, he's talking about Jonah, the men of Nineveh will rise up and judgment with this generation and condemn it. It says, They repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. He's saying, I am greater than Jonah. Jesus is greater than Jonah. In Romans chapter 8, verse 33, it says this. You shall bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. Because are you God's elect this morning? How many are saved? How many believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior? How many believe that Jesus is God in the flesh? He died. He rose from the dead. And through belief in Him, you are saved. Not just through belief, but through faith in Him. Remember, faith requires action on our part. It says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, He was the one who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, Or danger or sword. When it says here, who will bring any charge, that's that same word, who will condemn God's elect. The only way that you're free from condemnation, judgment, is through being a son or daughter of the Most High. It goes on to say in Second Peter chapter nine verses nine through ten. Says, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Say, so here there is going to be punishment, there is going to be condemnation for those who are not godly, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Behold, or excuse me, bold and willful they do not tremble or they do not have that reverent fear as they blaspheme the glorious ones. So so what we see here is that there is a judgment, there is a condemnation. If we look at other places in Scripture, for those who don't know Christ, there is a day coming where there will be judgment. We see it in Matthew where he separates the sheep from the goats, right? On one side he says, hey, come on in. The other side he's going to say, get away. I, I never knew you. And this is true, but but to go back to my earlier statement is that we all condemn on a daily basis and and it's okay. Can I can I can I say it to you like this cuz cuz some of you're kind of like squirming in your seat just a little bit. Anytime you decide to be obedient to what God has spoken to you to do, in a way you're condemning those who don't do the same. So if you believe you say okay i believe in the scripture that that adultery is a sin so i will not participate in adultery by living that righteous lifestyle saying i will not participate in that sin not with your words but by your actions of not committing adultery what you're saying is adultery is a sin so i condemn it you condemn it with your actions By walking right, Isn't that what Noah did? He condemned the world not through saying, look all you guys, you're a bunch of sinners and you're about to die in a flood. He condemned the world by building a boat. He, He walked in obedience to what God had told him. When you walk in obedience to what God has told you to do, What we're saying is if you don't obey what God has told you to do, you're guilty. Some of you like that word a little better than saying condemned. But that's what it means. It means you're guilty. Once again, this comes back to the point of Noah. It wasn't him spewing words of telling people how bad they were. It was him walking in righteous obedience to what God told him to do that's the point that's the point of what the writer is saying here is he condemned the world by being obedient basically what the writer of hebrews is saying is we must be obedient to the things that god has called us to do and walk in them righteously whatever it is and it might be something that's and we see it in romans 14 there's some things that are sin for all of us that's true and there's some things that are a sin just for you that is true there's some things god has told you to do or not to do the scripture tells us if you know something good that you're supposed to do and you don't do it that's a sin it's not just you did a bad thing it's that you didn't do a good thing you didn't do the thing that god, if i mean no one not building a boat is it a sin to not i've never built a boat so i guess if you don't build boats is that a sin but if noah would not have built a boat it would have been a sin correct my brother aaron built a boat he's definitely not more righteous than i am he just has more time on his hands when god tells you to do something You have to walk righteously in that thing that he has called you to do. And so my question for us this morning is what outrageous thing has God called you to do and are you walking in it? Ladies and gentlemen, it is crazy to build a giant boat. This thing was massive. I didn't read the specs on it, but it was massive. Has anyone been to the museum? I think is it in Kentucky? A scale model of the ark? The thing is huge. It's massive. And for him to undertake this and it did probably take him decades to build how outrageous faith what has God called you to do that you haven't just the the thing about I know I like to talk about running a lot but the thing about (laughs) cross-country running is to start to to run a cross-country race you just have to take the first step like like it's pretty simple you're there and you're not racing and then now you're racing like one step in you're racing it just takes one action one tiny little thing and so some of you God has called you to do such great big things things that you like how could I ever get there Uh, I would say this what's the first step right because Because 3.1 miles is a long way in a race. But I can do one step, right? People always ask me, how do you guys run that far? Well, you just do one step. And guess what you do after you do that step? Another step. You see, you guys are already experts in running. It doesn't take a lot of skill, like I said. It just takes a whole lot of heart. And that's it. What's the thing? As, somebody, as I say this this morning, you know a thing that God has called you to do. But let's take a flip on this. If you're not obedient to what God has called you to do, you bring condemnation on yourself. You're guilty yourself of unrighteousness because God said it to you. God said it to you. And let's not even talking about the things that we all know are sin if if you're hooked on pornography that's definitely a sin for all of us this morning and it's it's time to get free from that you're guilty that's condemnation but but as we were saying this morning as jamie was saying there's freedom in this place today you can be free from things like pornography you can be free from from gossip the thing that i think is so amazing about gossip is the people who are engaging in it so much they just think it's conversation. They don't even realize that they just live a life of gossip. But you can be free from that. You can be free from that because the scripture is very clear that that's that's sin. So those are the obvious things. Let's just bow our heads, bring. Would you close your Bibles and just let's just bow our heads i just want i just want you to take a moment and i just want you to think about the things that god has called you to do what do He see specifically have for you i know it's not build an ark because he's never going to flood the earth again but but what is it And if this morning as I'm talking, you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what God has called me to do. I'm going to remind you that God has a plan for your life, you are not an accident. God knew each and every single one of us would be here in this room this morning listening to this sermon. And He has something specific just for you to do. And if you don't know what God wants you to do for your life, just begin to ask Him, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do? And I would say, then you need to find a man or woman of God that you trust in your life and, and have that conversation. I don't know what God wants me to do. I guarantee you, they will help you dig into your heart and figure out what God has laid on your heart. For the rest of us, just let the Lord challenge us. There came a day where Noah just had to get, pick up an axe and cut down the first tree. That's what he had to do. And it started. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.